Hi, I'm Malaya. And I'm Kalia. And you're listening to Intertwined, a podcast about human connection, human behavior, and human experience. Please be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at intertwined underscore podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about the insidious nature of celebrity culture in society. So this is not a new topic, right? Mm -hmm. C. Wright Mills, a sociologist, writes in 1956 this. The result of the star system in society that makes a fetish of competition. That's the definition of celebrity, right? This was written in 1956. So this is a discussion that's been going on for a long time. And I think it's time we revisit it. As we've seen in social media lately, there's been a lot of talk about the issue of celebrity culture in society. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Okay, so before we get into that, let's talk about how celebrity culture has an effect on our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. So with that quote being from 1956, we know that celebrity culture has been around forever. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, But what's different now is that social media makes the competition that much greater. Right. And you feel like you're starting to compete with people who have access to unlimited Mm. amount of resources. Right, exactly. And I mean, I think if if you're not familiar with celebrity culture and, you know, the literature around it, which I'm sure a lot of people are not familiar with that, you are familiar with this term clout or with the phrase clout chasing mm-hmm. and what that means. And maybe we all have different definitions of what that what that means. So right. what's your definition of clout? My definition of clout is that you are trying to be something that is not your true self for superficial reward. Mm. So... I don't know, like... So is clout a feeling? Is clout something that you're trying to obtain? Clout can be measured in different ways. I agree. And it's dependent upon the environment as well. Absolutely. You know, so, you can have clout in so many different avenues. Absolutely. There's different enclaves of society and there's different enclaves of black culture too. Mm-hmm. And I think that... <sighs> You know, we went to an HBCU and we went to school in the Atlanta University Center Mm -hmm. um, and clout there took on a life of its own and had its own definition. So it's just interesting to try to get at the root of what that is and the root of why people have such a desire for popularity. Mm hmm. That it affects their relationships, it affects maybe their job, it affects how they parent maybe. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it just has this insidious effect that maybe we don't think about in the way that we should right. be thinking about it. Right. And like what makes people popular? That's because 
when I went to South Africa mm. and those people have in my eyes almost nothing. Yeah. Material. Material yeah. Material wise, they have almost nothing. Right. But they still are filled with so many other things, but that doesn't mean they don't chase the materialistic things. Mm -hmm. So they had fake Gucci, fake Louis, like they would wear that. Yeah. You know, and I wonder why, because it was, it's not like it was making them popular. Maybe it was, maybe I wasn't in touch with the culture as much as I thought I was. Mm -hmm. But when I was mentoring students, it didn't seem like, those material items were making them popular, but they still desired to have them. Yeah. Right. And that's the, and I love this word insidious because it describes so many things in our society. Like it's just um, a subtle damaging that happens over time. Mm. And, you know, there's, there's also research around brand name things and like logo design and how to design things in a way that makes people not only desire it for, you know, it's appeal, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's physical appeal, but right. also desire it for it's social prominence mm -hmm. and, and, the meaning that's ascribed to these things right. really it hasn't it, yeah it's it's like a louis bag right you can probably find a louis bag that doesn't have like what do you call the the logo there's a term for it there's a term for like the style where you have the logo all over the mm -hmm. whatever it is like the bag I'm or not all sure. over yeah, there's a term for that. But people would prefer that over something that just has like a tag where other people can't really see it and they can't identify it as like, you know, designer. Yeah. So there's all this psychology surrounding that. And I think when it really becomes a problem is when we decide what our values are mm -hmm. based on what makes us feel most acknowledged by other people yeah you know mm -hmm. like even when you decide what job you you're gonna go for maybe right or what career yeah. you want to pursue mm -hmm. a lot of that is a lot of that is rooted in the desire to be acknowledged by other people who you think share your values right or or who care about certain things you know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. And, like, that reminds me of when I first started getting into the workforce mm -hmm. and interning and trying to get experience under my belt. And I was heavy, heavy, heavy on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to brand myself in a way that modeled other people, other black women that I looked up to. Nobody mm -hmm. of, you know... Just like no Kim Kardashian or something. Like I was right. trying to model myself after people I admire. Um, but it still was mentally draining. And I had to take a break from LinkedIn mm. because it's hard to keep that up. It doesn't matter. You, that competition is just 
so intense yes. all the time with media because things move so fast and you'll become invisible so quickly mm. or at least it feels that way it feels that way it feels that way mm-hmm. now if you create a community around yourself like you know you you'll always be seen you'll always feel seen but when you get lost in what other people are trying to show that they're doing, it, you, you start to feel invisible. It starts to feel like everybody's looking the same. Everybody's dressing the same. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had moments where I've questioned something that I'm doing because I felt like it wasn't getting me any acknowledgement. I won't say that I ever really cared about popularity, but I think everybody has moments where they feel like they just question whether they're doing is even important. Mm -hmm. And it affects your relationships too, because you start having these like standards in your relationship that Mm -hmm. are based on something that's not even real. And I've, I have felt that way in certain relationships where I'm like, there's something that maybe is unspoken, but I don't fit what your ideal is Mm -hmm. for a friend. And it's not because of the type of person I am. It's maybe because of some other shallow differences that I have that, you know, might take away from the image that you're going for. Right. And I've, I've felt that way in romantic relationships too. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I remember being asked to start a YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because we have a podcast now and I think, some people don't do podcasts for the right reasons. It's just true. like some people don't do YouTube channels for the right reasons. Yeah. But I don't know for, for some reason that question offended me because I'm like, why can't we do something else? You or, know, or why can't we just exist? Right. <laughs> like, why do we have to exist on a platform? A platform. Right. And that's why for us, we, we had many conversations before starting this podcast right. and the car and our mom will always remind us like you have to find your reason and you have to detach that from people's opinions. Yeah. Like, and you have to make sure that you're always doing things for the right reason. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And I think that going back to this conversation of clout chasing and, clout chasing in the AUC where we went to school it in my opinion really creates for a a toxic environment where there's this like scarcity model that makes people feel like there can only be a select few of popular people that get access to all the resources that that the Atlanta University Center has to offer. Like right. I definitely felt like, oh, if you if you don't establish that freshman year, it's a it's a done deal. Mm. And that's it's the same. Th- I'm using the Atlanta University as a as an example, but it happens in a lot of places where it you does. feel this pressure to like, 
like you said, establish an image or a brand around yourself. Right. Um, so that people continue to acknowledge what you're doing no matter what it is you're right. doing. Right. And so I think that's a good transition into activism mm-hmm. and how celebrity culture influences activism. Yep. So something that stands out to me from this year is kind of this, this the marketing around activism mm. on specifically Instagram, but even Twitter as well. Yeah. Kind of how it's formulated now and how people feel obligated to repost certain things <laughs> to show solidarity. solidarity, but is it really solidarity or is it like self-serving and a lot of the times mm-hmm. it feels self-serving and so i know we, we're going to talk about this conversation that has come up in social media um involving the parents of mm-hmm. um tamir rice tamir rice and i think his name is richard risher i think right and who were murdered from police brutality mm-hmm. and how they're asking activists to deplatform themselves. Yep. Which is not only is it really brave, but it's just really powerful and and it's disheartening at the same time. Like it's it's sad that these grieving mothers even have to find the time, find the emotional energy to articulate these demands of people who claim to be in support of of black people and especially of black people who have been affected by police brutality. And, but what I really appreciate about their bravery is that this is a conversation that is long overdue. And maybe, maybe it shouldn't have even gotten to this point. Like maybe someone should have spoken for them and should have kind of shed some light on, the authenticity or the or the lack thereof of this movement right of the black lives matter movement yeah and the black lives matter movement is bigger than the what is it called um black lives matter global network it's obviously taken on a life of its own and it's bigger than that but even still i think that we have to we have to be able to hold each other accountable and have these difficult conversations and acknowledge that, you know, it's just because your intent might have been good doesn't mean that your impact was good ultimately. Right. And so when I think of Sean King or mm-hmm. Tamika Mallory, mm-hmm. I think about what their reason was, what was their why. And you know, with the tears and with the yelling and with the protesting, which I'm all for protest. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, I think I'm losing their why. Like, it doesn't feel like that's my voice. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't around for Martin Luther King. But when I hear Martin Luther King speak, mm. I think, oh, okay, that's the voice of my ancestors. Mm-hmm. And so... With Sean King, on the other hand, I mean, he has his whole identity that's in question, <laughs> but 
it's also like with social media, it seems very self-serving. And that's the thing with celebrity culture and with celebrity as capital or celebrity as commodity. Like this celebrity status that these people have acquired over time by being vocal and by organizing and doing some real grassroots organizing around, you know, the issue of police brutality and criminal justice reform and whatever. But yeah, the, the issue with celebrity culture is that real money comes out of it. Yeah. (laughs) That's the thing. Like, just to be frank, these people are paying themselves off of, the grief of yes, you know, the lo- the the loss of a child, the loss of a father, and it, it's devastating. But at the same time, it's like it all goes back to capitalism and how right. <laughs> this is how capitalism operates, and it operates to create a hierarchy. And there there has to be people who who suffer, and it's to think that these these mothers are dealing with homelessness and they're dealing not only they're they're dealing with grief terrible grief but they're dealing with things that should have been fixed yes like none of these mothers should be should be homeless and should struggle to feed their kids mm-hmm. when there are people making millions and millions of dollars off of the Black Lives Matter movement and off of the images and videos right. and trauma porn right. that has come out of, you know, yeah, just a difficult time yeah. for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so even when it's not done for money, mm-hmm. for example, Kim Kardashian storming up to the White House to talk about prison reform, mm-hmm. what do you think the impact of that was? And... What do you think her reason was? What was her why? I mean, you know, I don't know the lady. I really don't. <laughs> All I know is when you say that you stand for something, but your first instinct is to make a buck, that just makes me question whether you really stand for what you say you stand for. Right. And I think the... It's easy using social media. It's really easy to reframe your story or ref. Yeah. It's really easy to reframe your story in a way that makes it seem like you're maybe more philanthropic than you really are. Oh yeah. Or, or make, or you're a better person than you really are. Yeah. So I think a part of that is like, you know, the whole PR thing. Like, they have people who are skilled at just, at, at exactly that. Reframing that story and deflecting from what the real problem is, which is probably that you, one, well, that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. What? But, I mean, you know, like, they're total white supremacists obviously oh yeah like you know there's a there's 
a bunch of issues with that family in particular. But, you know, it's like, it's not about individual people. So we have to make sure, like, we don't get caught up in that. Right. Because it's about how celebrity culture influences common people. Yeah. That's the real issue. So then that reminds me of the interview with Meghan Markle and Mm. Prince Harry. And how Prince Harry was talking about the impact the media has on what the royal court does or the um, royal family royal family does mm-hmm. and how it's like a give and take. Mm-hmm. So what impact do you think common people have on what celebrities do? Cause I know people like, I remember a lot of basketball fans talking about Kyrie Irving and him speaking up or not speaking up about different things or looking to certain people to say certain things. Yeah. Why have we resorted to that? It feels like that's just feeding into the problem. Yeah. But it's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? You can't, you don't know. We don't know. Right. Like it's definitely, um, it's a cycle. It's a cycle of like, we want these celebrities to be role models. And, you know, in turn, they want us to, I mean, I don't know if they want us to see them as role models. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, some people become famous without even wanting to be famous. Yeah. And they still have that impact or that influence on large amounts of people Mm -hmm. and so I would love to talk to a celebrity one day and find out you know (laughs) dig deeper into that but there's a certain responsibility that comes with it absolutely as Michelle Obama says you know she reached a certain level of accomplishment and visibility that Sometimes she's the only per like black woman that another black little girl can look up to. Yeah. And so that has so much weight and you have to tread lightly and you have to be mm-hmm. careful. You have to be careful with how you use your platform. Yes. Yeah. And that's. Yeah. But e- e- and even in. Just for normal people in everyday life, you have to be careful with how you use your platform Mm -hmm. and you have to be mindful of whether you're using your own voice or you know you're just funneling information from one person's mouth you know right not even fact checking just not even fact checking not even doing your own like thinking around it and just putting these messages out there for other people to see. Like, that's yeah. really dangerous. And I think that's the effect that celebrity culture has. Like, people really, they want to go viral. They want likes. They want people to engage with what they're saying without thinking about the impact of their words. Right. Or or the impact of the images that they're sharing. Or the impact of, like... And that really, for me, during the pandemic, 
has been actually very anxiety inducing. People, you know, going on vacation and going to Tulum. Tulum. <laughs> Literally. Literally. And that's going to, to me the is same place. Going to the same place. Like that is doing the same thing. <laughs> right. Smoking the same hookah. Yeah. Like with with little consideration of what message it sends to people around the world. Like yeah. just, you know what message it sends and like yeah it's just been a scary time it has been and it's been a rough year but it's been like i said before it's been a virtual year it has been a virtual year (laughs) i keep in contact with more people on instagram and Mm -hmm. through text than i do in person right and that's just the way of life now yeah like we can't safely gather Mm -hmm. and but people still want to gather and people are still gathering. (laughs) (laughs) People haven't stopped. Some people have not stopped gathering, have not stopped traveling. Right. And believe it or not, it sends a certain message. It does send a certain message, but in such a critical time, haven't stopped gathering and, and no one said anything about it or no one really talks about that. No one really talks about that. How like, irresponsible. And I remember when the pandemic first started and mm-hmm. when celebrities first started getting COVID and then making these videos <laughs> yes. like I got COVID and or these the, were the symptoms <laughs> and it's so scary. and Right. Or the, the imagine compilation that all of the celebrities got together <laughs> to do. Like, yeah. <laughs> But the, but these are the same people who went right back to work at the first opportunity, or they're still gathering yeah. with each other, mm-hmm. and that of course sends a message as well. Yeah, it sends a message that I'm above whatever y'all are going through. Like I'm gonna be good, and people take on that posture. Like normal people take on that posture, yeah. and that's just not our reality we have to be a community in order to survive and that's really that that's the the concerning part about celebrity culture it's like there's no community in that right there's no well because there's more competition yeah because yeah and i mean there there's a healthy amount of competition that is necessary for relationships and yeah groups of people Mm -hmm. um not necessary but i get what you mean you know it can be healthy i guess but it's like a disease or it's like a drug. Like, it's like you, you get a win, you get a win, you get a win. Oh, it looks like I'm doing this. Oh, this person slid up on mm-hmm. my DMs. Oh, look, I, mm-hmm. let me post another picture like that. And let me do this. Let me get on a jet ski. Like, if I get on a jet ski, people going to think I have a certain amount of money. Like, yeah. Right. It's weird. <laughs> and the thing with, you know, taking it back to the whole black lives matter thing that's going on and and the demands that these mothers are making. I remember at, you know, the start of the pandemic when the, the, when the black lives matter movement resurgence like happened when Breonna Taylor was murdered and then George Floyd, there were people who (laughs) 
I'm not sure of what their moral compass is. And yet, you know, they were at these protests. With no masks. With no masks. (laughs) And they were making signs and whatever. And it's not that there's not a benefit in standing in solidarity. But you really have to... Like live in solidarity and your ethics have to be a part of your life, Mm -hmm. a part of your everyday life. Yeah. You know? Yes. And I think that their, their demands really speak to that. Like this, we have to listen to each other and listen to what each other's real needs are. Right. Like they're saying, you can't tell our family members story better than we can tell their story. And I think that people get caught up in the dramatics of it in, all. Yes, yes. The dramatics. Mm-hmm. I rarely read a Sean King post. But oh. when I do, I'm like. <sighs> it's definitely performative. In a yeah, way. It's, it's performative like, in a way. Very. Yes. Very performative and just exploitative. and yeah, Right. Right. It's triggering also. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I don't think it's good for the mental health of the community. No, it's not. And, you know, to take this in a in a totally different direction, but I feel like this is important, you know, an important conversation to have too. Like, everything that happens surrounding Kobe Bryant's death, mm. like, that's the toxicity of celebrity culture. Right. And, and like, we're talking about... The police officers sharing the yes, photos. Yes, we're talking his. about police officers mm-hmm. sharing photos of Kobe Bryant's remains and his child's remains mm-hmm. and other and the remains of other children. Right. And yeah, like I, I remember reading the um, the reports because Vanessa Bryant shared the court documents on her social media, and I was reading it. And I just couldn't believe the callousness of some of these officers. Like she, um, well, not well, these weren't her words, but in the in the document they shared that an officer showed the photos to a bartender, and the bartender then went to, I guess, whoever was sitting at the bar, the patrons, and was like boasting about seeing these photos. And was being very morbid about it. And I get the curiosity, I guess, you know. If that's what you want to call it. If that's what you want to call it. I mean, it seems really morbid. Yeah. But but we just become really desensitized. Like, also. And so, and that's why cloud chasing is such a, and celebrity culture is such a toxic thing. Mm -hmm. Because... It doesn't influence you to do the right things. No. And there are people out there, you know, who are actual activists who and who actually go out into the community and do things. And they do have a following like right. Erica Ford or yeah. Sonia. Um, um, I can't remember her last name. Renee. Sonia Renee something. But she has a lot of she's sharing a lot of knowledge and mm-hmm. she's an academic and she has a pretty big following or Amanda yeah. Seals, even Amanda Seals, the way she uses her platform. Oh, Sonia Renee Taylor, Sonia Renee yes. Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
there are ways to to use celebrity you, culture for yes. to benefit to benefit the world or to make the world mm-hmm. a better place. Like how a- AOC uses celebrity right. culture. She uses her celebrity status to communicate policies in a way that common people can understand. Yes. And without that um without the sensationalization that's a word, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without that, I don't think that AOC would be who she is now. Like, because of the theatrics that have come with politics over the past four years. Starting with Trump starting, using Twitter. Yeah, or, yeah cause once hello, he got on Twitter, that was it. That was it. Politics became a joke, honestly. Well, yeah. And so I think... And it or, also became... But, yeah, it became performative and yes, and it also became a reflection of celebrity culture. Yes. Because I mean, a celebrity became president. <laughs> yes. That's a celebrity crazy. with no experience in politics became president. And I think that really changed our country. It did. Like that really changed our country. Mm-hmm. But out of that came like I said AOC who I think And I don't think AOC is perfect. No politician is perfect. But I think she uses her celebrity status and her capital for good. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to see more of. Yeah. You know? And she's not, I'm sure she's not super, super wealthy. Yeah, no. Like, she's probably doing well for herself. But she's she's not in the top 1%. No. (laughs) She's not... No. Yeah, so it seems like she wants to do good. Yes. If I were Beyonce, I would that's how I would balance my life. Like, you know, using my art to spread messages and using what I'm good at to spread to impact people in positive ways as well yeah. as, you know, philanthropy and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. But faking it doesn't doesn't do anything <laughs> you faking know it doesn't faking do it doesn't do anything that's the thing about this culture like of well i guess it just really obscures the truth like no you're not hard work doesn't make you a billionaire that's just not the case like jeff bezos is not a how much money does he have? He has like two hundred billion dollars. Billion dollars. He didn't make that much money working hard. No. So I just wish that people were able to tell the truth about their status and how they use it and how they use their platform and how they acquired what they have. Right. Because I think that it really does a disservice to people who maybe don't understand how wealth works how wealth really works in this country and they spend their lives feeling inadequate because they're searching for (laughs) something that they will never like yeah that'll just probably never happen for them right because we all know social mobility in this country is very difficult to navigate extremely that doesn't mean that you can't be successful in whatever you want to be successful at. Right. But it's just getting in those rooms sometimes can yes. be hard. And there's or yeah. impossible, nearly impossible. Right. Right. And so 
there is like this issue of like we all struggle with self-esteem we all struggle with our our confidence especially when we're trying to be something that is not real and that's what worries me about like the younger generations mm-hmm. especially freshmen in high school who haven't even gone to school in person yeah. yet yeah and all they do is sit on social media all day what idea of themselves are they creating based off of what they see mm-hmm. you know because it, it yeah right now it's like a waiting period what am i going to be like when the world opens up again like how am i going to pop out Yes. You know, yes. that's like the, that anticipation, even though the world is ne- never going to go back to normal and it's going to be like, you know, not a drastic, oh, next day. Yeah. You know, but I, yeah. today's the day the world is open. But mm-hmm. impressionable teenagers, it's hard to filter what they see mm-hmm. because they're at a certain age where they have some level of independence and privacy. They're not getting the real world experiences that are necessary to teach you certain lessons. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder how, what, like what shift society is going to take over the next couple of years. And if it's going to be a good one or a bad one, a good one or a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel for the youth. I mean, we're the youth too, (laughs) but I I mean, I feel for myself and I mean, in in the same regard, I have that same sentiment about, starting work from home yeah and we have you know we had an episode about that but like working from home and now we're a month in over a month in it's really like oh my gosh what what am I doing yeah like like, what mm -hmm. am I doing how like how am I gonna brand that's how I feel how am I gonna brand myself when it's time to go into the office if I ever go into the office you know and what's my identity like that's how I feel at least Mm -hmm. I feel how am I portraying myself through teams through (laughs) zoom through like how right how am I coming across it's it's not clear Mm. but you know and I think even like I don't post on social media that often I in terms of like I don't post pictures of myself on social media that often and especially this year I haven't posted really um that often on my Instagram but I definitely also get that anxiety that's like the world, you just feel like you're disappearing. Like you said, you feel like you're you're becoming more <laughs> yeah. and more invisible yeah. the more you don't ascribe to the norms of like social media yeah. engagement. The more you don't, you know post or the more you don't get dressed up the more you don't do your makeup the more you don't go out the more you don't socialize like people show you what they want to show you want to show you and I mean I would love to have a conversation another conversation about desirability yeah and because I think that obviously that's attached to celebrity culture and it goes back to truth-telling too when it comes to having a conversation about desirability. And I think we've had conversations about this with mom too. Cause she's obviously of a different generation and she has her own thoughts and feelings about desirability and social media. But 
you know, there are people who have a have influence over people and they would never admit, never admit that they have body dysmorphia and that because of that, they changed the way they look to fit some sort of ideal. Right. Kylie Jenner is never going to put out a statement that says, I was dealing with these insecurities. I had a certain ideal that I wanted to, you know, live up to. And so I changed my body in these ways. And I spent, and I'm able to do this because I have the money to do it. And I spent mm-hmm. this amount of whatever. And I mean, that's a, a a tricky, it's it's not to say that people shouldn't do what they want with their bodies. Like that's, that's not what I'm trying to say. But there is something to say about like, the silence around it yeah and what that does the lack for of people. transparency yeah, the lack of transparency and what that does and to i think psyches. that's becoming more and more of a thing especially yes. with mass culture oh like yeah. the transparency is just not there anymore <laughs> right and that's how it bleeds into relationships because it's hard to tell who people truly are and, oh my gosh <laughs> like this it, on relationships, okay, there have been just so many times where I felt unkept just because I didn't do certain things like shave on a, on a consistent schedule of every three days. Like, yeah. no, I'm not getting my hair laser removed. You know, I'm not paying for thousands of dollars in treatments I mean, one, because I don't want to, but two, because I don't have the money to spend on that. But even if I did, I don't think that that's how I would spend my money. But it's definitely that pressure of like, wait a minute, am I, do I have to be more kept? Do I have to just do certain things to maintain my image in order to be liked by somebody or in order to participate in this dating culture like is it is it do I have to make a choice yeah because it feels like you have to make a choice like Mm -hmm. either you're gonna not care yeah and be okay with your solitude and be okay with maybe not dating or you have to really care and you really have to keep up with you know and it's not about hygiene it's about you know yeah it's about what's trending like yeah are your eyebrows done do you are your teeth straight and white are your you know like Right. Is your skin clear? Is your stomach flat? Mm-hmm. Are you getting your toes done every two weeks? Like, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> are you shaving your legs in the winter right. when you're only wearing jeans and sweatpants every day? Like, but desirability has always been a challenge for Black people, yeah, specifically Black women, yeah, in society. So that's not our fault. No. <laughs> That's not our fault. No, but at the same time, celebrity culture is our fault. Yes. The the idolization is our fault. Even the way Sawadi and Offset broke up. Sawadi. 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 <laughs> and Quavo. Sawadi. <laughs> That's how much I don't keep up. I know. Sawadi <laughs> and Quavo. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Sawadi and Quavo. Mm-hmm. How they broke up on Twitter. It's like, <laughs> was that real? Like, what was that? 
like so that's confusing. just unhealthiest well yeah. we all know about um future and just like men being men, trash men, <laughs> publicly men publicly ble- being trash and then women also you know attaching themselves to that kind of identity yes because yes and you have <laughs> i mean women there all there has to be women who are also complicit in like misogyny widespread misogyny in order for it to you know right because men aren't that smart where they could dominate like that (laughs) right and so there's always women who also are misogynistic yeah and i just i wish there were more women celebrities who weren't misogynistic like or or didn't i I won't didn't internalize misogyny oh can you think of any I mean, I mean, a lot are. of people, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of people internalize misogyny in general. Like and a yeah. lot of people. But well, it's a patriarch. So, right. Right. There are certain things that you literally can only get if you are married or, you know, there are certain things that value you higher when you have a man. Yes. Yes. But I don't know. We just need to start having conversations. Yeah. And we need to start having more open conversations, more open conversations and more conversations with our kids about this because, you know, censorship is not going to work like that's just that conversation has come and gone it's just not going to happen. Right. It's very, and very that, hard to censor that what your is kids up see. to people in mom's generation. To me, I leave, yeah. I challenge them to do that. Michelle Obama, she's making a statement by writing the young readers version to oh, yeah, becoming, becoming yeah. you know, and to me, reaching back is one thing. But being able to have those conversations of vulnerability, and I mean, black women have to show a certain level of strength to reach a certain level of success. Mm. And you have to hide certain emotions, and it comes, you know, there's that whole thing. Like, Michelle Obama didn't become first lady by trying to fight every microaggression that she came in contact with, you know? But I think with what I admire about what she's doing with the young readers version is having mature conversations in a palatable way for the generation behind us. And that's important, you know, having that perspective, but being able to communicate to people who haven't even been on this earth a quarter (laughs) of the time you've been on this earth. That's, that's a skill. And that's a skill that needs to be, practiced over and over and over again even if you don't have kids of your own i think people in mom's generation or people who are raising young kids or whatever i think that they often like to say because mom says this sometimes as well like you know things don't change that much which on one hand i agree some things don't really change but then I feel like we also have to acknowledge the things that have changed and the things that make these conversations unique and 
relevant to what's going on now in society. Like social media has completely changed society. Oh yeah. Celebrity culture has completely changed society or celebrity culture in society has changed because of a number of things, but social media being one of them, people are suffering. People are really suffering Mm -hmm. and and it's not easy to talk about. And it's not easy to talk about. It's and, it, and it's even harder to talk about when the people who have most most of the influence um, in society are able to act like this suffering doesn't exist. You just listened to Intertwined a podcast about human connection, human behavior, and human experience. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at intertwined underscore podcast. And make sure to engage with us on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for listening.